0: Would you turn with me your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6? Well, we come this morning to our final sermon in the series of, that we've been doing in the book of Galatians. We've been calling this series Gospel Reset. I think all of us have could use a good reset after everything that we've been going through in our nation. Uh, COVID and wars and rumors of wars and uh, trouble within our own nation. It's always good at times like that to reset ourselves by focusing on the main thing, the thing that matters to us more than anything else in the world, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And no book in all of scriptures so clearly and directly addresses the importance and centrality of the gospel than the book of Galatians. And so I hope you've been blessed as we've studied it together. Next week, we're starting a new mini-series on missions as we, that we're calling The Journey. We'll be spending three weeks in the book of Acts going through Paul's three missionary journeys. Now, most of you know, if you know the Bible or you maybe know the book of Acts, that Paul did go on three missionary journeys. What you might not know is that each of those missionary journeys is anchored by a sermon. On the first missionary journey, Paul preaches a sermon to very religious people, to the Jews. And so we'll consider how the gospel impacts our conversations with religious people. And I would think it's fair to say that Pensacola has its share of very religious people. So I hope that will, will help you in your conversations with religious people. We'll also see Paul address an audience at Mars Hill on his second missionary journey, speaking to very secular people, people who were pagan, really, in their worship. And so, hopefully, you'll see how the gospel enables us to preach the word and, and witness to people who are coming from a completely pagan background. And then, finally, on the third missionary journey, we'll see Paul address the Ephesian elders, And we'll consider that the gospel is not merely for people out there, outside the walls of the church. It's for us. It's for Christian people who believe in Jesus and love Jesus. And yet need to hear that gospel truth each and every day. To strengthen us, to empower us, to give us joy. So that's next week, the journey. Now we're going to finish up Galatians. Galatians 6. We're going to read verses 11 through 18. This is God's holy, amazing, breathtaking word. See with what large letters I, Paul, am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. This is God's word. Let's go to him now in prayer. O Lord our God, We thank you for grace, and we thank you for your word. Lord, would you give us uh, an extra measure of your spirit, a tangible sense of your presence, that we might see Jesus in the pages of your scriptures. Hear our prayer, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Did any of you read any good books this summer? Anyone? Some good books? Some of you, any readers here? Well, I was on vacation in California for about... Uh, Two and a half weeks, I read five books. While Kate was there, she read eight books, which proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that Kate is 60% more literate than I am, which sounds about right. Also, one of the books that I read was a book of crossword puzzles, but I'm totally counting that as one of the five books that I read on vacation. Now, I thought I'd begin with a little game this morning. I'm going to give you the last line of some favorite books, and I want you to try to guess the name of the book and the author of the book. Okay? Are you ready? If you know, you can raise your hand, you can shout, but don't do too much of that because we're Presbyterians, okay? Uh, We do our sermon illustrations decently and in order, okay? Don't get out of control. All right, let's hear the first one. Ready? After all, tomorrow is another day. You know it? Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell. Excellent. Next one. And so we beat on, boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Great Gatsby, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Very good. The creatures outside Looked from pig to man, and from man to pig, and from pig to man again. But already it was impossible to say which was which. Animal Farm. I heard Animal Farm over here. Good. By George Orwell. My son's reading that book right now. Uh, If you haven't read it before, uh, just turn on the news. You'll see it. (laughs) But I digress. Here's one of my favorites. I love this quote. Very few castaways can claim to have survived so long at sea as Mr. Patel, and none in the company of an adult Bengal tiger. Life of Pi, good, Jan Martel. Next one. Oh, my girls, however long you may live, I never can wish you a greater happiness than this. Little Women, good, good. Louisa May Alcott, Next one, the scar had not pained Harry for 19 years. All was well. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows by J.K. Rowling. Very good. Now, the last two are from two of my favorite books of all time. And if I cry during the first one, I apologize for nothing. Here it goes. It is not often that someone comes along who is a true friend and a good writer charlotte was both charlotte's web by eb white i love that book last one this one's a little bit more obscure but i love this book (laughs) watership man i'm going to read the quote anyway she guessed it right away here it goes one of my favorite books he reached the top of the bank in a single powerful leap hazel followed And together they slipped away, running easily down through the wood where the first primroses were beginning to bloom." Watership Down, Richard Richard Adams. I love that book. One of my favorite books. Well, this morning we come to the last lines of the book of Galatians. For five and a half chapters, we have seen the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For five and a half chapters, we have seen that we are saved by grace alone Through faith alone, in Christ alone, that Jesus plus nothing is everything. We've seen how his Holy Spirit equips us and empowers us. We've seen how Jesus writes our stories into the greatest story ever told, making us sons and daughters of Abraham, heirs of the covenant, children of the living God. We've seen Paul's joy, his anger, his frustration, his courage, and above all, his faith. We've seen that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We've seen the beauty of holiness, the fruit of the Spirit, and the power of love. And now, at long last, we come to Paul's famous last words. These last words of the book of Galatians are so much more than a simple series of boilerplate goodbyes, of sincerely's and yours truly. They constitute a summary of the entire letter as Paul uh, uh, contrasts truth with falsehood circumcision with the cross jesus plus something religion with jesus plus nothing religion reading these verses philip reichen observes to understand this passage is to understand galatians more than that it is to understand the gospel So what does Paul want the Galatians to know in closing? What does he want us to know? Why are these verses so critical to our understanding of Jesus and the gospel of his grace? If you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. We're going to spend our time together contrasting Jesus plus something religion and Jesus plus nothing religion. The true gospel that Paul taught ...with the false gospel that many of the Galatians had believed. First, we're going to look at five marks of Jesus plus something religion. And then, we'll look at five marks of Jesus plus nothing religion. Are you ready? Let's take a closer look at Paul's famous last word to the churches in Galatians. First, Paul gives us five marks of Jesus plus something religion. Now, what does that mean? Why would I say Jesus plus something religion? What is that all about? Well, in order to understand what Paul's getting at in this passage, we have to back up a little bit and think about the context of these words. We have to think about what Paul's been talking about in this entire book, the book of Galatians. Here's the background. 15 years after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just 15 years after Paul met Jesus face to face on the road to Damascus, Paul planted a series of churches in the Roman province of Galatia. At first, everything was going well in these churches. They were growing, they were thriving, people were getting baptized, people were getting saved. The Galatians loved Jesus. They loved people. They believed the gospel. They believed that Jesus plus nothing is absolutely everything. You can read all about it in the book of Acts in chapters 13 and 14. Then the Judaizers arrived. The Judaizers were a group of Jewish Christians who came from Jerusalem. They preached a different gospel, a Jesus plus something gospel. They said that Jesus is not enough. Before you become a Christian, you have to first become Jewish. You have men, you have to be circumcised, you have to keep the, all the dietary laws, you have to celebrate the Jewish feasts and the festivals. You can't just believe in Jesus. That's too easy. Anyone can do that. The Galatians should have never bought what the Judaizers were selling, but sadly, many of them did. Many of them embraced a counterfeit gospel, a works-based system of salvation, which is no gospel at all. In so doing, many of them had abandoned the God who called them by the grace of Christ Jesus. It was a tragedy. It was a disaster. And so Paul spends the letter of Galatians pleading with them don't do it. Don't trade your freedom for slavery. Don't trade the gospel for the law, this works based system of salvation. It's not worth it. The rules and the regulations will never give you life. The Spirit will give you life. Walk by the Spirit, celebrate the goodness of God. Now, that's the background for this appeal, which starts in verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Now, let's unpack that. Paul shows us, in these verses, five markers, five indications that you have believed a Jesus plus something religion. That you have believed something else other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number one, Jesus plus something religion is shallow. Paul says that these false teachers want to make a good showing In the flesh. In other words, it's all about appearances. How do I know that God loves me? How do I know that God has accepted me? Well, it's easy. I do these things. I go to church every Sunday. I have a fish sticker on my car. I read the Babylon Bee. Um, I don't tithe, but I go to Chick-fil-A all the time. That's basically the same thing, right? So, you know, I am sure, based on this activity, that I am a Christian. Paul's saying, it's deeper than that. Don't accept that shallow kind of faith. Accept a faith that goes to the heart of the matter, that delves down deep into the heart of Jesus. Now, with that being said, are there moral standards in Christianity? Absolutely. Are there things that you should, must do and things that you must not do? Of course. Uh, believing the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't a blank check to do whatever sinful thing you want to do, but what Paul is saying is that the heart of Christianity is the gospel. The heart of Christianity, the essence, is the cross, In other words, it's not about what you do for God. It's about what God has done for you in Jesus. It's not about your performance. It's about your heart. It's not about outward observation. It's about inward transformation. When your religion is a Jesus plus something religion, There's ultimately no depth, there's no substance, it's mechanical, it's transactional, there's no relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with God? Are you trying to appease God, or do you want to know him? That's a key marker of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Second thing, Jesus plus something religion is manipulative, These false teachers wanted to force the Galatian Christians to be circumcised. They were trying to coerce them. They were trying to manipulate them. Their message was probably something like this. Hey, what's the big deal? It's just circumcision. It'll be over in a second. It's not a big deal. Look, we're all circumcised. All our great ancestors were circumcised. Moses was circumcised and Abraham was circumcised and all the great Elijah and the prophets were circumcised. Jesus was circumcised. The apostles were circumcised. You want to be like Jesus, right? You want to be like the apostles, right? Just do this one little thing, and you can be right before God. Is that what the gospel says? One little thing? They manipulated them and were sending them into death and destruction and guilt and shame. It was horrible. Here's Phil Riken again. Great observation from Phil. He writes, There is continual temptation for the church to turn the gospel into the cross plus something else. Whatever that something else is, a deed or a duty or a sacrament or a social cause, the problem is always the plus. For the gospel to be the gospel, the cross has to stand alone. The goal of manipulation is to convince you to do something or to believe something that's not in your best interests. It is not in your best interests to abandon Jesus and the gospel of his grace for a system of of religious slavery that will ruin your life. Third thing, Jesus plus something religion is fearful Do you notice what was driving these false teachers? Why did they insist on circumcision? What does Paul say? It was fear. They were afraid of being persecuted by the Jews. Now, in the early days of the church, the Jews would often persecute Christians because Christians claim that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. The Jews said that's unacceptable, that is heretical, and the penalty for heresy is death. They would arrest Christians. They would go from house to house, as Paul did himself. And they would say, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, your Savior? And if you said no, well, then they would keep moving on, and you would be safe. And if you said yes, you would be taken away and murdered. It happened to Stephen in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7. They killed him, and Paul, who's writing this letter was there when they did it. Circumcision gives the false teachers a sense of anonymity and plausible deniability. If they were to be circumcised, they could blend in. And if confronted, they could say, hey, listen, I'm circumcised too. I'm one of you. I'm not one of these Christians. I'm with you. I'm on your team. What more proof do you need? Sadly, I think many of us are paralyzed by the same kind of fear. We don't want to stand, stand out. We don't want to stand up to the mob, whether it's an actual mob or, or the social media mob or whatever it is. And so we remain quiet. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to be persecuted. And so we don't talk about the cross. We'll spend time talking about anything else. We'll talk about football and politics and the weather and anything else. But Jesus and the cross and the gospel never crosses our lips. It takes courage to be a Christian. It takes courage to talk about the cross. The cross is offensive to people. The cross is offensive to secular people, but it's also offensive to religious people. It's offensive to secular people because secular people don't want to believe that there is sin and that we are accountable to God for the things that we do. And it's just as offensive to religious people who are blown away by the thought that our good works and our good religious deeds could never be enough to justify ourselves in the sight of a holy God. But in both cases, whether you're talking about a secular person or a very religious person, the gospel confronts our pride. The gospel confronts our idolatry. The gospel confronts our unbelief. Jesus plus something people are fearful. Jesus plus nothing people are faithful. Fourth thing, Jesus plus something religion is hypocritical. Verse 13, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. Do you know why they don't keep the law? Because nobody keeps the law. Now, granted, some people do a little bit of a better job at it than other people, but no matter who we are, even our best good works are filthy rags. Even the best works we do are stained with sin. We cannot ever keep the law perfectly. Even if we could do a pretty good job on the outward requirements of the law, Jesus repeatedly says in the Sermon on the Mount that what's really required is a transformed heart. We need to be changed from the inside out. You can, keep all, you, you can try to keep all the laws all the time, but ultimately, it's impossible. Jesus plus nothing religion. Christianity, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, says that's okay. Jesus kept the laws that we could never keep. That means if you're a Christian, you can be honest with God. You can be honest with other people about your sins and your shortcomings. If you're a Christian, you can burn your resume that record that you have, that you present to God thinking, I'm sure he'll be impressed with this. If you're a Christian, you can confess your sins as we do every week, knowing that God will forgive you because of Jesus. If you're a Christian, you don't have to pretend to be someone you're not. You can say, I'm a work in progress God is working on me every single day, every single day. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus, and that's good. But I haven't yet arrived, and I won't arrive until I see Jesus face to face. Fifth thing, Jesus plus something religion is arrogant. The false teachers wanted to boast about the Gentiles' performance. Look at the Galatians! Look at what they're doing. They're being circumcised. They're keeping the feasts. They're keeping the festivals. They're not eating bacon anymore. Look at what we accomplished. Look at our good work. Before we came, they they weren't even circumcised. Look at them now. They wear suits, and they wear dresses, and they carry around a nine-pound ESV study Bible everywhere they go. Some of them came an hour early to church to study the book of Leviticus leviticus look at what we've accomplished look at what we did where's god does god get the glory for any of this does god get any credit for the transformation of the of the galatians if you believe in a jesus plus something gospel whatever that something is you are stealing the spotlight from god You're trying to take credit for something that only God can do. Your salvation, your transformation, your glorification. Jesus did it all. It's all about him. Now, what's the alternative to Jesus plus something religion? Well, Paul says the alternative is a Jesus plus nothing religion. Now, what does that look like? I'm glad you asked. First thing, Jesus plus nothing religion is humble verse 14 but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ jesus plus nothing religion boasts in jesus jesus plus nothing religion boasts in the cross for christians it's not about what i do for jesus it's about what jesus has done for me. He took away my guilt. He took away my shame. He put my sins on his shoulders. He's reconciled me to God. Through Jesus, I am adopted into the family of God. He gives me joy and courage and hope and love and peace and acceptance before the throne of God and so as christians we boast in him we celebrate him we proclaim his glory to anyone who will listen we don't boast in ourselves we boast in him it's all about him do you boast in the lord do you brag about how awesome god is Are you as happy telling someone about Jesus as you are when you pull out your phone and show them pictures of your vacation or pictures of your kids or pictures of your grandkids, which are great. I've seen your pictures, but are you ultimately boasting in the Lord as much as all of those things? Christianity, true Christianity, humbles us. It's not about me. It's about Him. Second, Jesus plus nothing religion is holy. Verse 14, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me. Being a Christian is about so much more than believing that the gospel is true. Now it's not less than that, but it's so much more than that. It's about living a cruciform life, a life that is formed by the cross of Jesus Christ, a life that is formed by the ethics and implications of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he has done for us. According to Paul, the world has been crucified to me. Now that means, in a sense, the world is dead to me. Now, Paul's not saying that we can't love anything in the world. Of course we can love things in the world. I love things in the world. I love art and literature and poetry. I love sitting down by the beach and hearing the the ocean come in. It's great. There's so many things in the world. There's a lot to love. But as a Christian, the world doesn't captivate me. It doesn't hold me captive it doesn't control me as a christian i'm not in the matrix anymore (laughs) i've been unplugged and i now see the world warts and all for how it truly is we're alive or as the writer of the great hymn said it all the vain things that charm me most i sacrifice them to his blood The blood of Jesus. As Christians, we celebrate holiness. Jesus plus nothing religion is holy. Third thing, Jesus plus nothing religion is hard. Verse 14, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Verse 17, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. As Christians, we are crucified to the world. Now keep in mind that in the Roman Empire, crucifixion was not just about execution, it was about humiliation. Being crucified was the most humiliating, shameful way for a person to die. And so when Paul says that he bears the marks of Jesus, he is talking about his physical scars. He was physically abused. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned several times. And ultimately, he died. We, We don't want to minimize that. There are many of our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering similar things Today, it is happening in Afghanistan today to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we must be mindful of them for they truly are our brothers and sisters. We are united by the Spirit of God. And so we pray for them and we urge nations and principalities to make policy that that will protect them and preserve their lives. But that's only part of it. Paul also suffered trouble for his Christian faith. People shunned him and slandered him. Many of his friends completely abandoned him. We don't know much about Paul's parents, and it's probably because Paul's parents disowned him. Now, I say this not to discourage you, but to hopefully paint an accurate picture of reality. Being a Christian is hard sometimes. So what do we do? Sadly, I think a lot of people come into the Christian faith and they're very excited and they think, man, my life is going to get so much better. My life is going to improve. And then troubles come and we say, well, I'm done with this. On to something else. I'm going to try something else, something that works. Let me encourage you to instead do this, to cast your cares on Jesus, knowing that he cares for you. He will never leave you He will never forsake you. He is with us, all of us, always, even until the end of the world. Even until the end of the world. Jesus plus nothing religion is hard. But what happens when we cast all of our anxieties on Jesus? What do we have left? Nothing. Nothing but Jesus which is the whole goal of the Christian life. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Fourth thing, Jesus plus nothing religion is beautiful. Beautiful. Verse for 15, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. New creation. I have two favorite southern expressions. The first one is, bless your heart. I love that expression because it can mean so many things, and most of them are bad. And I just kind of think it's ironic that little old ladies are walking around, oh, bless your heart. I don't know, it just makes me laugh. My second one is, lipstick on a pig. Have You ever heard that expression? Now that has a very specific uh, meaning there. When you say to God, God, I'm going to clean myself up. I'm gonna straighten up, I'm gonna fly right, I'm gonna turn over a new leaf, I'm gonna do better next time. You know what you have? Lipstick on a pig. Because the Bible says, even, even our best works, even even when we're helping little old ladies cross the street, we're doing such good things. We're feeding the hungry, we're we're clothing people that are homeless. Even our best works are like filthy rags. Lipstick. On a pig. Jesus plus nothing religion is all lipstick and no pig. <laughs> Jesus plus nothing religion is beautiful. When you become a Christian, you become a new person, a transformed person, a beautiful person changed from the inside out. Your attitudes, your actions, your affections, the way you do career and social media and school and family and parenting and marriage, all of that stuff is transformed by the Holy Spirit as he applies the gospel of Jesus Christ to every aspect of, of our lives jesus plus nothing religion is beautiful fifth thing which is also kind of the tenth thing if you were paying attention but jesus plus nothing religion is blessed and not just hashtag blessed like i just went to hawaii hashtag blessed i mean like really blessed jesus blesses us with grace And mercy and peace, verse 16. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. I think it's fitting in a book that is all about the gospel of Jesus Christ that the final word is grace because in Jesus plus nothing religion, the final word is always grace. The final word is always mercy. The final word is, is always peace, peace with God, peace with one another through Jesus. That's the book of Galatians, a book that gives us a gospel reset, a book that invites us to celebrate the grace of God, a book that points us to Jesus and the glories of the cross a book that says to each and every one of us, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, believe. Believe. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe in the gospel of his grace? Do you believe that Jesus plus nothing is everything? When you do, you'll give him your everything your heart, your life, everything. Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gospel by which we are saved, by which we are transformed. Thank you for what you have done. I pray that you would repress these gospel truths into our lives deeper and deeper every day. That we might be transformed, not only for our our own edification, but for the blessing of our community. We pray, Lord God, for all those who are here in person, all those who are watching online, all those who are burdened with sickness or depression or anxiety. Lord God, will you comfort them by your Spirit now and begin the transforming work in their lives that you began on the cross. Hear our prayer.